Good evening, Patriots. And it's Tuesday, November 15th on the West Coast, on the East Coast. You just hit Wednesday in the year 2022. Patriots, right now with all this craziness going on, and there's a lot of it, make sure you've got your food supplies stocked up and everything that you're going to need in case we end up with a shortage as they're planning and trying to get food supplies knocked down. Patriots, if you didn't know, America is running out of diesel fuel. The Energy Information Administration says that there's less than 25 days remaining in our national stockpile. Now, if trucks can't get fuel, they also can't deliver food to the grocery stores. What then? If you don't have emergency food stocked up, go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com right now and grab a special limited time offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save $250 on their three-month emergency food kit, which gives you a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. My Patriot Supply wants to help you be your own grocery store. So for a limited time, you'll save $250 on their three-month food kit. Be sure to get one kit for each person in your family. This offer ends in just a few days. So go right now to preparewithbards.com and grab your $250 discount on each three-month kit you need. That's preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's nothing like having the security of food in your home. So remember, go to preparewithbards.com and take advantage of this amazing offer. And there you go, preparewithbards.com. You won't want to miss that. That's a great special going on right now. Patriots, we are... If you had a chance to catch up since the last show, you'll know that there was a speech given by President Trump, which essentially was a nothing burger. And I'm going to talk a bit about this tonight in context of many things. I, I um, while, we, while we were doing the show and he was talking, my literally my text was blowing up. And I was getting play-by-plays from a number of people And I think it's important that we pay attention to what just happened because it's a point of really seeing how God is working in this nation, in my opinion. Okay, so I'm just going to frame it like that. You can take this one, you can leave it, and whatever. But here's the deal. This country has, and I've been talking about this for a long time, we have really fallen into the trap of an idolatry with President Trump. And the nation has very heavily idolized him rather than looking towards God and taking the responsibility. Now, there's a lot of scriptural references and things that we could look at, but I think what's really important to see is the gift that was given tonight. And I do see it as that, as a gift. When people start to get emotionally upset or down over an event like tonight, and I've heard a few of them, it's evident that the the point of focus and the point of worship is is misplaced one of the things that's really interesting is that when he closed the speech tonight he closed with this we will make america powerful again wealthy again proud again safe again and great again there was not one mention of god bless america 
And there wasn't one bit of we need God's help. And there was nothing at all mentioned in his speech about God. I think that pretty much should sum up where things are. And for those that are still on the fence and like, well, you know, President Trump and this and that, here's my next response is that there's two years before the election in 2024, two years. Right now, we have already witnessed the way the system will work, which is 100% rigged. Be clear about that. This system was 100% rigged. Every election in one way or another was within their grasp of control, they meaning the handlers and controllers of this realm that we live in called the United States. And it is an election system that hasn't changed in two years, And by all indications, with those in power, won't change in the next two years. Now, we've heard all sorts of indications that things have changed. Entheos put out a post saying, you know, we've made improvements, or I guess it was Q that said we'd made improvements, but we still have issues. As far as I'm concerned, those are just, that's just a psyop at this point in time. All of those things are just statements that are being made to pacify people and to win votes. And it's BS. And I think as an American public, we've awakened enough to realize that we're pretty much tired of the games and we're pretty much tired of being lied to. And we're pretty much tired of walking a path that others are trying to convince us that they're great when we know that the only way place we need to put our eyes, our worship, our love, our faith is to Jesus and through Jesus to the Father. It's that simple. So right now, what we were given tonight, frankly, was a gift. And it was a gift that God gave, in my opinion, and he didn't have to make it. Let me be clear about this. This is a gift that literally, I think God just stepped back and said, watch this, I'm going to let Trump do what he does best. And we witnessed it. And if you paid attention at all to the speech, and I haven't gone through it in detail, but I mean, as far as listening to every single word, but I have had enough profiles from people that did summaries for me and I've looked at what I can in between shows. Here's the thing. That entire speech was about president Trump, what he accomplished, what he did, what he needs our help for, what we need to pray for him for. There's people dying right now because of the shot that he ultimately approved. And I'm going to be honest. If he was a man that came to this nation and said, I should, you know, I say, I'm going to be honest. I'm always honest with you. My point being is is it's a testimony before God in the honesty of my heart. What I would say is if he came and had the courage to sit before this nation and say, my fellow Americans, I made a bad choice. And regardless of whether I was misled with information or not, I'm the one whose signature is on that bottom line. I ask for your forgiveness and I repent before the Lord for what decision I made with this vax, realizing it's wrong and I'm asking that we move together to solve this, I could stand behind that. We'd have to add some other things like Jesus, and I accept Christ in my heart, and a few other things like that but that are kind of important. But my point being is I could stand behind that, and we could move together and move forward. But we're not getting that sort of humility, not at that at all. Instead, we're getting the typical I, 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 and I'm just like, okay, I can't do this. Now, I know it's easy to say the president won't do this and he won't do those things. I just ask you to realize that 
when God decides to move mountains, he can move mountains. So we can't judge whether President Trump can or won't do this. That's why I say so many times, keep him in your prayers. But it, remember that this is a walk now that he's on, and it's going to be his walk and how he chooses and where he chooses to put his sight. The one thing as a nation we didn't do well, and we need to learn from this, is we didn't pray for him to be a president of the people. We prayed for him to fix our problems. Universally, that's pretty much what we did as a nation. And I guarantee you his advisors around him are not advising him well on the humility of being of walking with Jesus. And that I can assure you. His advisors around him, his spiritual advisors, they're very much consumed with them and their relationship with their way of seeing their power within. It's Pharisee stuff. It's all Pharisee stuff. He's surrounded by Pharisees. So he doesn't have the strength of a good spiritual team. And I'm going to be very candid about that. And I know enough about it to say that and say that comfortably. And in unfortunately, it's been kind of a cancer to him because where he seeks advisement, he gets poor advice. I mean, we've talked about a number of these. I mean, I could name a couple of them right off the bat that are just complete disasters. And and just in the bigger circles of mega churches, you know, whether you're going to talk about Copeland or you're going to talk about T.D. Jakes, these people have huge followings. And look, they're they're not who they say they are. Okay, when you see T.D. Jakes making good friends with Oprah, I think that kind of speaks for itself, right? So these these people are the same type of people that unfortunately have congregated around President Trump and I think for the most part are giving him an advice that is very distorted in terms of a walk with Jesus. What we need is leadership in this country that's humble, that's willing to speak in terms of the Lord with a humility of a nation to humble themselves for before the nation and and lead the nation in humility because humility is strength. And this is a hard one. This is part of what we've talked about now for almost two weeks in this place of forgiveness and love and justice and accountability. Well, you just witnessed an outcome today, tonight, if you've seen the speech of someone of some place where there isn't forgiveness and there isn't humility and justice is expected to come because I'm great and there is ego and there is arrogance and with all that leads to disaster. And already I'm hearing the clamoring, well, I'll still vote for him over that No one can say that at this point in time. No one can say that. And the reason no one can say that is because we're two years out in one of the most radically changing times in human history. I want you to think back a year, just a year. And I want you to imagine if I sat here on the show and I said, hey, Patriots, guess what's going to happen in 2022? In this year, you're going to see American school libraries hire transgender pedophile males and they're going to be brought into the schools to teach story time to children and in the process they're going to teach children how to do lap dances and parents are going to take their children to gay bars where they're going to have transgenders doing 
swirly dances with their kids in front of audiences, and they're all going to cheer and even allow their daughters and their sons to have money put into their garter belts as they walk around and perform those same acts in front of them. If I told you that at the beginning of 2022, people would be like, dude, you're, you're, you're kind of off your rocker. You're off your rocker. But my point of this is look how far things have gone to the darkness in one year. That is not even a mystery now. That's not a myth. That's not a projection. It's a reality. And if we've moved that far in a year, imagine how far this is going to move the next year. And it is going to. All the signs are on the wall right now. I mean, I think that part of what we're seeing in, at some level is these people sense that something significant is coming and they're all trying to position themselves and clamor for presidency. Look at how many people have tried to claim that they're going to run for president. DeSantis. I know that even though it's not spoken, I, I can tell you that it's probably, it's likely being discussed. Flynn, he's sitting very quietly on the side. You've got Carrie Lake has already been proclaimed by the guys from 2000 Mules that she's going to be the first woman president. She wasn't even a governor yet. And already they're going, oh, you're going to be the first woman president. It's like, how about if we let her be a governor first to see if she, what she can do? But you can see the positioning that's going on. And that positioning is all clamoring for the great position, the great seat of the nation, so they can all have their power. Because they all sniff blood, and they sniff it because... There's a void that's happening here, and they're probably feeling something much deeper. I think we're heading into an era of great shaking, great shaking. And that great shaking is going to really rock this nation to where it doesn't matter who's standing up on the pulpit saying they're going to lead. I'm going to tell you in my personal opinion, there isn't a leader out there that has been proclaiming a position or intent to run for president that can handle what's coming. And this is why I know that. Because what's coming is going to require that they lead with God. And no one is leading with the Lord. So that is, has to be a litmus test and a demand from we the people. And this is, to me, one of the great gifts God has given us again. Tonight, if, you're, if you were watching that speech or if you were out there and you're feeling like, oh, that was kind of a nothing burger, good. God's showing you something. Idols are falling. We shouldn't be putting our hope in a man. We should be putting our focus, faith, and love in Father God. That's where this nation will restore itself. And it's a big leap right now for many, many people because we have moved so far away from that level of faith. It's just like when we talk, talked all last week about forgiveness and justice. That idea of forgiving and loving and Trusting in God for justice is not in our lexicon for most people. Justice is seen by our hand, and yet that's not scriptural. It isn't that we aren't to deliver justice in this world, and it isn't that there isn't supposed to be justice in this world. But justice is also led by our relationship and the guidance of God's hand. And justice is blind. So it's equal for all when it does come. And ultimately, kingdom justice is more, it begins with restoration than it does with being punitive. And we see justice as punitive and vengeance. 
So I, you know, I've talked at length about that, and I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I'm making a point here that the gift that we're being given is very profound right now. As a matter of fact, it's huge. Because what we're seeing here is we're seeing the fall of giants. We're seeing the fall of titans. And that's a place where God needs us to be to really restore this nation. This nation wasn't built on the, on the intent that somehow within all of this that we were going to find hope and peace in the idea that a leader would fix this all for us. It's nothing close to that. We are in a place where we are supposed to be leading this nation in such a way that we, the people, are fixing this. And as we, the people, fix this nation, then we come to the rightful place of understanding what it is that is required. But right now, we, the people, are still looking for someone else to do the work for us. And, and that's a very sad event when that happens. Our Declaration of Independence lays it out very, very clearly that as we go, we should, we the people are the ones that have the right and the responsibility to correct this nation. And we're not doing that yet. We're still looking to leadership. We're still looking to politicians. We're looking to institutions to do it for us. And each step as we go down this path, we're finding that the idols that we keep relying on to do this are failing. That's not by accident. God's stripping them away. And we're being left with a choice. Continue to pursue the failing strategy of looking to men to solve the problems of men. Or put our eyes on Father God, accept Jesus in our heart, and walk boldly in that love in that place, trusting that there is a bigger work here to be done. And in the process, let all of that guide us as a collective to restoring this nation. That's not weakness. That's not stepping back from, from the, what we face. It's not bowing down to evil. It's quite the contrary. And when we begin from that position, we find therein the greatness of leadership that does evolve and step forward. We find therein the greatness of leadership that carries the sword mightily like Joshua or has the courage to stand like David or has the listening to do as God leads like Gideon, always to raise up and stand up against evil. We find the Moses, Moses those of Moses' ilk that are willing to stand and lead. And the list goes on. We find the Esters that are willing to commit themselves at all costs to, to literally lead and fight for a nation, even if it's in a place of being under authority, not in authority. We find the greatness of the, the compassion and love that evolves from relationships and understanding God, like in Habakkuk, that realizes that the nation is going to fall, but still finds that complete commitment and love in, in the Holy Spirit and in God himself to know that even through this, there is greatness that comes out of it. All of these stories are so important right now, and they're there for a reason, because we are living through very challenging and biblical times. And so as we continue to strive and replace one idol with another idol, I would expect that we will continue to witness very great levels of discomfort and disappointment because we're not seeking that which needs to be 
sought, which is a relationship with Father God. So this right now is a time really to for us to reflect very deeply, for us to look deep within ourselves and asks and ask those questions of what is our true relationship. Let me read Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear from the heat when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Be that person that's walking in with the God, with the Lord right now, because right now this is a season when there is drought, both physically and metaphorically and spiritually. There is a lot of drought going on. There's drought in our hopes of political winds, there's drought in our hopes of a of of a rise, a return of a great, of America being a great country again, and we're seeing the failings and being told at the same time that we're all wrong. There's nothing wrong with this. This is about the new age, the new age that we're leading you to, the transhumanist age, the age of transition where we're all going to drive electric cars, and we're not going to use petroleum products anymore. And if you don't have money then you're going to starve and die, but that's okay because we're going to provide assisted suicide for you and all this nonsense. This is the age right now of deep, deep corruption in the nation that is manifested into leadership. If you're one that is is questioning about Trump or not enjoying hearing the rebuke about Trump, then I will put it like this. President Trump accomplished the mission that he needed to accomplish within the first two years of his four. The first two years of his four, he was instrumental in bringing people to the awareness that we were many, not few. He was instrumental in bringing people to the awareness of how that we were united, not divided. Under that title was the idea of MAGA, Make America Great Again, or America First. And even those that followed Q aligned with MAGA as part of one group. We came to embrace the fact that we were multi-generational, that we were multiracial, that we, we weren't just a monolithic group of white crazy people stuck in a corner. Those were huge successes that I do give him a lot of credit for because he forced people to look at themselves as he demanded that the media show the crowds. That sort of fight that was there did great things for our nation. But MAGA has grown bigger than him. Because MAGA did something as a group, as a collective group, this populist movement increasingly is doing something that President Trump isn't following with. We're putting our eyes on God. We're looking to the Father to say, okay, Father, we're here. And then what we tend to do is we look over and we say, okay, Trump, lead us. And we don't find what we're looking for. The question is really, where is that? Where's the greatest fault there? Where are we expecting too much out of a man that isn't walking truly with the Lord? Or are we, or is he disappointing us? I would argue that we're probably trying to overlay something onto him that just isn't there because we've moved to a different place. So we do need to recognize that. 
And in doing so, we need to recognize the gift again that's been given. We as a nation are in an amazing place right now. In the last two, almost three years, we've had zero leadership, zero. The leadership and what leadership was there wasn't enough to brag about. We have gone through these three years with tyranny all over the nation. We've seen it in our police forces. We've seen it in our hospitals. We've seen it in our in our federal forces like FBI, FBI and DHS. We've seen the tyranny in our Congress. We've seen the tyranny in our state legislatures. We've seen the tyranny in our school boards. And people have stood up and people have made decisions and choices. They've pulled their children out of school. They've pulled back from the government. They've reinforced our counties. We have a long ways to go here. But in the sense of leadership, we haven't seen any leadership guiding us. What instead we see is this amazing rise in an understanding and an appreciation of the glory of the Lord. And they're listening to God's word. They're listening to the Lord speak to them. And we're learning again what our founding fathers tried to tell us from the very beginning. That this was a nation whose rights were given to them by their creator. Those rights of life, liberty, and in the pursuit of happiness. Those were rights given to us, sovereign rights given to us by God, who was our true sovereign above this nation. Not a king of human flesh, but him. Unlike anything we'd ever seen in human history as a country, as an, what they call the great experiment. It's not an experiment. It was a direction of going, pursuing in a in a country that leadership would be centered with God Almighty above them, that people being humbled and listening to Father God would then choose a government that would be subordinate to them and would execute the wills of the people. That had never been done before. We're long ways from that. We are a long ways from that, but we're reviving the awareness of what that means. And to do that, we're going to have to witness powerful idols falling this is just going to have to be, the, and it has to be, because if we can't let that go, we are not going to be set free. We can't keep leaning on others to fix our problems for us. We can't keep living a world where we throw stones and cast stones at people without sitting across from them and airing our differences. Biblically, we should never be casting stones. Biblically, and we need to sit across from those that we have a difference with, and we need to discuss things and work things out. And if we can't, then we need to respect the difference, and we can pray on it, and we can, we can advise to stay away, but publicly disparaging people isn't part of our way. And yet that's where it's become. Social media has become the place where we take to, to war with people. We trash them. We don't take time to sit with them first. We, we rip people to pieces. I don't, churches are great at it. They do it to one another. And they set the example for congregations as if congregations are supposed to do it. We need to return to a place where the pulpit leads. And it leads with the mightiness of Jesus, not the weakness of a gay Jesus or a weak Jesus or a, a dirty hippie Jesus, but the mighty warrior Jesus that is truly there the strong, powerful man that was able to carry that cross on his own after having his back flailed down to the bone. The carpenter, 
that was the mighty man that was able to walk with humility and have grace and gentleness inside of a warrior's heart. That's what we're talking about. And that pulpit isn't here as it's there on occasion, but it sure as heck isn't common across this nation. People are really attracted to the show. If you have any questions about that, go check out the mega churches. They love the show. They're more interested in the music than they are the message. They're more interested in the dazzle and razzle and the big wild speeches and dramatic moments on the, on the stage that are all choreographed and trained. It's the drama. We need to get back to the wholesomeness of the message. It begins in the word. That's where home churches become so essential right now. Home churches to develop the intimacy and the relationship with Father God, the intimacy and relationship with Jesus. That sort of intimacy needs to return to the pulpit. It's great to have a, a, a perfect sermon, scripturally accurate, but where's the passion and love that we need that shows the true relationship that a pastor has with Jesus? There's many that can speak a good sermon but they lack the depth and relationship with Father God. And in so doing, there's no Holy Spirit present when they speak. The houses need to be once again become anointed. And a lot of that's going to fall again and again back to the home church to rekindle the love and power of Jesus in our lives. So many people I encounter and I hear from every, every week, sometimes every day, I hear how they have missed the relationship, and I'm very honored to say that many, many come here because they find a fellowship within Bard's Nation that gives them something that they can't find other places. That shouldn't, as much as that's a blessing, we shouldn't be hearing that as much as we do because churches to a large degree have become a business. And as they fail and as they fall, so falls our nation. Then we seek things to replace it. We look to politicians to fix our problems and our wills. When we find one that stands out boldly, like President Trump, we look to them to fix everything. Here's a simple truth. I don't care who's elected to the presidency. I don't care who's elected to the governorship of a state. I don't care who's elected to the sheriff or the county commission in a county. Unless there is a trust and relationship with Father God, nothing is going to get fixed. That's where we are as a nation. This nation was formed as a Christian nation. And by the way, I'm getting all sorts of people hagging at me because I say it's, I'm not going to stand with the Judeo-Christian connection, and I'm not. So don't hit me again on it because I don't want to hear it. And it's very simple. The, when I say Judeo-Christian, the foolishness of the church is people immediately want to pray for Israel. Israel as it is today is not a blessed nation. It's anything but if you'll take time to research what its leadership actually is. So don't hit me up on this ever again. The lands of Israel are blessed when there is a blessed people living in them. It's great to make the homages there and see the biblical centers, but I'm going to tell you something. What you're witnessing in Israel right now is anything but spiritual and, and, and godly. It's all tied back to Kazarian Jews. And if you don't have a, if you have a problem with that, take time to research it. So we are a Christian nation, one built on the foundations of 
the true relationship with Jesus. Our founding fathers had many different things going. They were part of the Masons. There's no question. The reason they came together with the Masons was that they needed a fellowship of men to be able to talk things, things out to get past the politics of the differences of the church. Most of them rebuked the Masonry afterwards. But we are in a powerful place right now as a nation to reclaim that, that root that we have to reclaim where we are as a nation to become once again the mightiness of the, as God intended us to be. So what I seek when I speak every day is us to find that way. And that's in each of our hearts. But it's not going to be found through politics. It's not going to be found through the false hope of a red wave in an election system. And then when we end up too many times, as people say, well, then what am I going to do? What you're going to do is what you should have done from the very beginning. Be the apostle, be the disciple that God wants you to be. Take the word into the street. Take the word to your neighbors. Build community. Love thy neighbor. Build those things to build strength, and the strength is needed when we deliver justice. Get rid of the corruption in the mind of the judicial so that it doesn't seek to make compromises and make justice system look like a clown show, but where justice once again returns to being blind and equal for all. Work with your sheriff, work with your county commissions, or better, become a sheriff and become a county commissioner. And here's another one. As we talk about the elected positions, don't overlook the positions that the city and the county are hiring. I'm, I'm very serious when I say this. Those positions often have more power than the elected positions. And when they do, take them. If you need a job or looking for a job, become part of the system to change it from within. It happens locally. And as we start turning our counties back to where our eyes go as a county, back to the cross, and we assume the sovereignty that is given to us under the authority of the sheriff, we start to truly take this nation back to where it goes and where it needs to go which is back to the roots and foundations of our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence and, of course, our Bill of Rights. But today, I, I mocked what was going to happen today, yesterday, on the show because I knew this was going to be a nothing burger. It always ends up being this way. They play everybody up. And why do I know that? Because I'm a prophet? Heck no. Because I worked in PSYOP and I worked in information warfare and I worked in advertising. And guess what? They're all the same. This garbage of pumping people up to get them hyped up is to ultimately let them down, to break your will, to make you compliant and, and, and being less aggressive, being less independent, being more dependent upon them. It's the same thing over and over. They sell you a product and they sell you a product that you love to use, but you can never repair yourself because they want you dependent on them. It's not by accident. It's not by evolution of design. It's because that's how they make their money. Because at a certain point, then you either throw it away or you have to pay for warranty service or better yet, we'll sell you an extended warranty so that your product will be covered. And it's just another way to make more money out of you and take you away from being independent. Your cars used to be able to be worked on. When I went to high school, I had a, I had a 1965 Mustang. And I was able to work on that car completely from end to end. Everything about it I did. 
as we get on our way in, in cars and vehicles, we start to discover all the electronics and all this and all that, and we suddenly can't work on it anymore because there's circuit boards and there's special switches and they're buried deep within there, and there's computer controllers that if they go out, the whole system goes haywire. That was not done by accident. It was done by design. Make you dependent upon the shop that has the computer system to run the diagnostics to the parts that they have to do they themselves must install. We can't do the work on things like we used to. All of this is about creating dependency, dependency on systems that aren't have nothing to do with our relationship in the Lord. And as we become dependent and trust in mankind, and we make his makes his flesh our strength, our heart turns away from the Lord. That's right in Jeremiah seventeen five to eight. But when we turn towards the Lord and we start relying on him first, our life gets fairly simple. We stop worrying about the swings and the ebbs and flows of the craziness of politics and headlines and all this other stuff. We tend to find ourselves to be much more level, able to make better discernment and assessment before each of us. We're able to look at our neighbors differently with a more compassionate heart and understand a very hard line that we're going to walk that we, while we can talk to people in any ilk, there's certain areas that we will never cross because we walk with the strength of the Holy Spirit and our relationship with Father God. That's our moral foundations. And in this nation, we've lost our way with a moral foundation. And because we don't have a large, strong moral foundation, politics steps in and says, hey, I'll tell you what, we'll give you something. And we go, oh, great, you're going to fix our problems again. If you're on one side of the spectrum, you're looking at free phones like the Obama phone. If you're on the other side of the spectrum, you're being told big platitudes like, we're going to make America great again. We're going to make America strong again. I don't even know what that means in execution. Because in my heart, I, this is a great country. In my heart, this is a country that is mighty and strong. The real problem has nothing to do with the people. The problem has to do with the controllers and rulers above us. So when we talk about making America great again or making America first again, are we talking very clearly that all of those that are currently above us need to be removed and held accountable for their crimes? The fact of the matter is that most politicians aren't talking about that at all, if any. Because to do that means that they're taking away one of their greatest sources of income. All the money that's flown into their camp, flowed into their campaigns or given to them for special interest groups and special favors that they do because that's where they supplement their taxpayer-funded income. And that's how you see great things like politicians becoming wealthy in the tens of millions of dollars suddenly after a few years in office. Or maybe it's Obama because you're going to get a book deal and it's going to be a $50, $60 million book deal, right? It's all just... It's all just a big laundering money scheme, Ponzi scheme at our expense. That's not God's way. And politics isn't God's domain, but God will use politics in many different ways. So for those that have said that President Trump is anointed, okay, I'll, I'll walk with you on that, though I don't buy it, but I'll walk with you on it. And I'll say, yes, he was. But where he is now as part of that anointment is apparently he's spewed off the path and God's letting him walk as Samson walked and he's discovering something. The people aren't going to walk with him. And there's the real blow, I think, overall that really changes the, changes the math on this whole thing in a big way. The whole story 
right now about of Samson was arrogance. And what we're witnessing right now is a leader that won the hearts of the people because he spoke to us as if he as was he was one of us. He understood us. But what we have seen is a leader that has increasingly fallen on his own perception of who he is and that we are supposed to respect him because of what he did. The arrogance has overtaken the humility. And as a nation, we need to give ourselves a lot of credit, a good credit, because we're seeing the arrogance and we're not seeing the humility and we're responding more and more in that way. Let us pray on that. Let us keep that before us. Let us seek the leadership that is humble. And let us cast out those that aren't. We need leadership that is truly humble before the Lord. And a nation that has leaders that are humbled before the Lord that lead with that is a nation that is truly mighty. So when we say things like make America great again and make America first again, patriots, that's what is in my vision, is a leadership that is humbled before the Lord, where God is once again restored back to schools, where we as a people humble ourselves with our leaders before Father God. We as a nation with our leadership repent before Father God. And we as our leadership stand before Father God bow before Father God as a nation and as our leadership, and we thank him for the greatness of who we are. We become humble by our choice, not by force. We have a long ways to go. We're not going to get out of this quickly. It's not going to go away overnight. And so with that, we have to be patient, but we have to be diligent in our faith. And as we are diligent in our faith and as we walk this path, it won't be easy. This is going to be times that it's going to feel almost excoriatingly painful. It's okay. But that's part of us learning. It's part of us putting our eyes back where it needs to be, back on the relationship with God and kingdom. And with all of that, when we truly as a nation return our trust to God, we will see mountains move. Luke 19, 41-44. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, What that you, even you, had known on this day, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Patriots, those were Jesus' words in red letter. This is time now that we as a nation humble ourselves dramatically before Father God and before Jesus, our Savior. We don't know the time of our visitation. And in the sense, we need to open our hearts and repent. And as we do as a nation and as we lead our nation to do that, we gain great strength We gain great restoration and restorative powers within this country, and we will see great things happen. But it's not going to happen when our eyes are placed upon leaders, institutions of men who they themselves are corrupted in heart, and they themselves who will fall and fail us. These are the lessons we take from now, in my opinion, and I think they're great lessons to take as we move forward. Whatever befalls us in the next two years will change us either way. Radical things and fast things are happening. 
But as we're reminded in Jeremiah 6.16, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. What path do you choose? To seek the ancient paths or to choose not to walk in it? For me, in seeking the ancient paths, it means that wherever God leads us, that's where we go. Wherever politics tells us to go, I will only obey as long as Father God points me in the same way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening and coming before you, humbling ourselves willfully before you in great thanks and great humility for all that is given and all that we have been blessed with. In these times when we're struggling to move through what we perceive as difficult times, we often forget that leadership is not in our neighborhood. Leadership is not putting a thumb over us. Leadership is only using the power and corrosion of their words and the power of threat to make us comply. Father, we pray tonight for the hearts to hear you and hear the strength in you and the willfulness of obeying you and being defiant to those words of men and women unless they align with what you ask us to do and where we walk within the words and within the holy words that you've given us. Jesus, as we sit here tonight, we just ask that you'll be with us and walk with us and continue to help us find that strength, the glory that comes in that difficult time as you promised us we would be persecuted. Let us feel that glory of being persecuted for the ways of the right way, the narrow path in which we are now pursuing. Guide us and protect us in these times. Give us the wisdom we need to discern beautifully. Give us the eyes to see and ears to hear. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. These are times right now that will challenge us. And it's okay. And it's, the world's not going to end. They fired some rockets today over in Poland. They can't even figure out who fired them. We know who fired them. <laughs> it's probably the CIA. They're trying to scare you, trying to make you think it's the end of the world. I mean, look at what's happened in the last week and tell me that this is all coincidental. You were told that there was going to be a red wave. There wasn't. It was a nothing burger. In fact, it was worse, but it broke everybody's heart because they said they were so disappointed. I even read that somebody who found out that Carrie Lake lost flipped his glass table and broke it in front of his family. That's foolishness, but he did it. Now he's going to buy a new table. That's what politics does. Okay. At the same time, FTX has collapsed. FTX fell apart and everybody got ravaged. And people that had their money in there got ravaged. And then we have the rise of all the discussions about the need to start regulating all these cryptos. The economies continued to go down, but nobody's really paying attention to it because then eyes went over to President Trump and his great speech. It was going to be the most important speech in American history. Okay. It wasn't. And people are like, oh, I don't know what to do. If you think for a second... All of these events were accidental. Paying attention to the media stories across Patriot and, and other side channels, everything was about failure. Why is that? Why is that? Because this is literally Lucifer's great play. Satan is in your head. 
He's trying to make you believe that you have lost. He's trying to make you believe that we're all on an end journey to some pit in hell. I got news. We're not. It's a game. Don't let the illusions get in your face. Step aside. Put your faith in the Lord and see the glory that he gives us. Take time each day to look up and realize how beautiful this world really is. I'm not being romantic. I'm being real. You're being told and shaped to believe this world is coming to an end. In certain ways, perhaps it is in the sense of the end of evil and the rise of glory and the love of God. But God didn't put us here to see the world through the lens of destruction and and the pit of hell. He put us here to walk in the glory of the kingdom, to expand and to subdue. We were dropped behind enemy lines. Be a soldier, buck up, and pull security. Be ready, because things are only going to get a little more intense and a little crazier. But that soldier knows that no matter what happens, there's always one thing that you have to keep forward. It's your mission. And our mission here never changes. It doesn't matter who's in power. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. And this is first and foremost a spiritual war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my